With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. How time does fly. We are almost now at the end of the season. We thought it was going to be over last night when um, this, we're recording this on Sunday. So that would have been Saturday night when uh, the Dallas Stars upset the Lightning. And uh, so the season is still going, but not for much longer. However, there is a fair amount of Coyotes news that we have to touch on. So before we get into that, I'd love to introduce, as always, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. We are, like you said, we are recording on a Sunday. So we are talking after a ridiculous day of football in the NFL. In case you don't know, my I have Sundays off for the most part, which is great because all I do is I just sit my ass on the couch and watch football all day long. And Sunday did not disappoint, albeit my Rams lost, but it was still an incredible game. They were down 25 points in that game, and they scored 29 consecutive points to come back and get the lead in the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, they couldn't hold the lead. Josh Allen making some big plays, and um, the Rams lost. But other than that, like there were a lot of close games all over the NFL, scoring galore all over the NFL. It was a great NFL Sunday. And that always makes me happy, even if my team loses. Yeah, well, I mean, that's damn impressive. I mean, in all reality, the fact that they even came back like that is, is a good indication of the fact that they can band together and come back strong. So if there's any solace you should take out of that, it's that's a pretty damn good push. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I'm a little ticked that they blew the lead at the end of the game there, but when you're down that big, you shouldn't really – win the game anyway but the fact that they came back and took the lead against a really good football team i'll take it i'll take it so a loss it's fine it was against a team good football team they'll move on they'll probably get some more wins i'm 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 still pretty happy with how the rams are doing this year um and they need a rebound here because they missed the playoffs last year so as long as they make the playoffs this year then i'm good and as long as they don't blow the super bowl again then then we're good but but yeah, it was a great it was a great day. Uh, sorry, Cardinals fans, if you're listening to this, you might be Cardinals fans. Sorry, <laughs> they blew that they blew that game. But this is indeed a a hockey podcast, Corey, and we're kind of crunched for time today, so we should probably get dive right into the Coyotes news of the week. Last week on the show, we we talked about Bill Armstrong because he was of course hired. Well, we got to hear from Bill Armstrong for the first time this week. And before we get into a lot of audio from the press conference, 
what are some of your takeaways from what you heard from Bill Armstrong in his introductory press conference? Well, I mean, overall, it was a very, um, you know, passionate press conference. It was a passionate press conference from him. It was passionate from our president CEO. So it was very passionate all around. You can definitely tell um, that they're wanting to go into this situation with basically with the drive to be a winning team and to be a winning team very quickly. Um, I mean, I, I think there were some things that were like a little cheesy and a little over the top, you know, like the fact that uh, Javier Gutierrez was like being um, blinded by his Stanley Cup ring, you know, the, those type of things were a little over the top and, uh, you know, like I didn't come here for a tan, I came here for a championship, you know, those type of quotes. But um, I think he has a very good plan and a very good idea on what he wants to do um, later. We actually have uh, have a quote about how in depth um, he actually was going into these interviews and everything about his, his big plan that he has for everything. I mean, he's already talking about, he was already talking about in that press conference about tearing the scouting staff down and rebuilding it. And he has been doing that as of recently. So he he's living up to that. But a lot of what I was really hearing out of this is just honestly a lot of passion and dedication and them wanting to bring this team into um, an old new era, I guess you could say. He kept on saying that back to the way they were before, but then he also wants to elevate them to a place that they've never been to before. So it's um, it was a lot of dedication you could hear, but also a lot of I felt it was masked with the passion, but I think there was a fair amount of almost a little bit of anger in the fact that like he actually had, or he said that a fair amount of people in the hockey community texted him and told him that he shouldn't be taking this job or at least thinking about um, possibly not taking this job because um, everyone likes to shit on the Coyotes. Um, but when he talked to Morello, he, it, he completely changed his, perspective on that and was completely dedicated to this team so I don't know but it it seemed like that kind of lit a fire under his ass in wanting to make this team not so much of you know not not so criticized all the time you know what was interesting to me and you you did a good job of hitting kind of the big points from the entire thing but the most interesting thing to me was it felt like Bill Armstrong in this press conference and how They've handled basically dumping most of the scouting staff on this team over the last week and and hiring some new people. They hired a new, uh, essentially, uh, assistant to the GM who essentially is going to be in charge of goaltending, who is the father of the former ASU hockey goaltender here, Joey Decord. His father is now part of the Kyrie's organization. But I thought it was interesting that it almost seemed like Bill Armstrong is a complete 180 from what John Chica was and how he conducted himself and what he was trying to do with the organization, right? Because Bill Armstrong is coming in and he's completely cleaned house, more or less. And he's essentially sounded like he has kind of that older school type mentality that John Chica didn't. I asked him later on in the press conference about how he was going about handling analytics and he essentially said, "Well, it's a you know it's a little bit of both. It's uh it's a 
you, you, you can't do all of one thing because it limits yourself, et cetera, et cetera. And so to me, that was the big takeaway was how different Bill Armstrong seems to be from John Chica and how he's pretty much taking full control of this team now with a lot of the moves they're making. And uh, I figure, well, let's let's get into let's hear from Bill Armstrong. And like you mentioned, Corey, uh, Armstrong was talking about how he received some of those texts and from people around the league about the organization. And it had him a little wonky, but once he met with Alex Marullo, that kind of changed the game. Here's Bill Armstrong about that meeting with Alex Marullo. I got a lot of texts saying to me, you know, you might want to think that one over. Nobody's been able to win 25 years in the desert. And I went to this meeting with Mr. Morello and his family. And I met him for the first time. He was a remarkable man. Um, that was a game changer for me in believing that you can win in the desert. His investment, his commitment, and his history of him as a person. And he convinced me the day that I met him that he was committed to winning in the desert. And I would have not taken this job if it was not for him and Javier. Yeah, that to me, it was it was really funny because it's it's two things. It's one, a little slight to the Coyotes again, like I was saying, like uh, the fact that we've always kind of assumed that in the background here that the hockey community considers the Coyotes to be somewhat of a laughing stock, you know, like in the fact that not in the, the way that like they shouldn't be part of the NHL, but the fact that they don't ever consider the Coyotes to be a real contender. And, um, it, you know, I could have made a, um, a drinking game out of how many times he said a perennial playoff team. He's very determined to make this team um, one that is known to be a contender and one that is much better regarded around the NHL. That is definitely for sure. So I don't know if he mentioned that as because that's one of his things that is motivating him or if it was also mentioned just to try and pump the tires of Morello a little bit because I do feel like um Morello does get his tire his tires pumped quite a bit but in the same token with this many people saying such great things about him all the time you have to imagine that he is a pretty good guy to be working with and he really strives for a great culture here and and in the end you need a very strong um owner in order to make a really strong team and you need someone who's going to back this team full heartedly and that's something that the coyotes have been missing for quite a long time so this will be um the first time that there will be an owner that has 100 percent the best interest of the team in mind and so maybe that's just too why he wanted to point out the fact that um, he went from so many people cautioning him and the fact that Morello is just so great at what he's doing as an owner that it completely calmed him. It might more be a situation where he's just trying to get everyone to realize that Morello truly does have the best interest in this team and that he feels like it's going to be a great partnership between him and Morello. And that, that was my second big takeaway from the press conference was 
how much they talked about Alex Marullo in this press conference. And like you heard Bill Armstrong there talking about the meeting with, with Mr. Marullo kind of changing the game for him in terms of wanting to come here and this Coyotes organization. Well, they later on in the press conference, Bill Armstrong and Javier Gutierrez were asked by Ken Summers of the Arizona Republic about some of the recent reports about you know, not about missing payments to some of their players, being late on the payments to players, I should say, and about possibly uh, missing payments on their lease agreement um, with Gila River Arena. Well, Javier Gutierrez spoke up during that answer, and he was very stern. He was very—you could tell, like he was ticked off by some of these rumors going around, and he came out with guns ablazing in a way, basically backing up the ownership group of this team. And here is Javier Gutierrez talking about Alex Murillo. And second, I really want to be very clear to this community, to our partners, to our fans, that they should have extreme confidence in this ownership and its strength and its stability. As Bill just mentioned, Alex Murillo spent hundreds of millions of dollars to acquire this franchise a franchise that him and his family are going to own for generations and that they are very proud to be the stewards of. And as Bill just mentioned, I believe by individuals that know better than we do, uh, last year was the first time that this team spent to the max of the salary cap. And Alex Morello, I can assure you, is fully committed to continue to make investments, not only through this pandemic, but going forward. Which is exactly what you're going to need from ownership if you're going to build a playoff contending team because of the fact that, you know, they're going to start trying to do a complete like fire sale of getting rid of all of these really highly paid players on this team to try and and bring that um, to bring their cap down. But I, I think in the end, what is really most important is the fact that you have an owner who's willing to invest the money and the time needed in order to get the players in to make this team um, a contender. Because that is always going to be one of the things that everyone's going to throw out there is that, um, you know, that no one wants to come and play for this team because they're broke, they're not doing well, there's not enough fans there. Those are always going to be the things people throw out there. And um, as a GM, I'm sure he had he had to think going through this interview process. And he mentioned that, you know, it's not just an interview for them to be interviewing you. You're also interviewing them when you're in that position. And that for him, it had to mean a lot that Morello was going to be not just like passionately backing him, but backing the choices he's making with the money that he's already put in and is going to put in to this team from here on out because he as we have mentioned before on this podcast this team needs someone with deep pockets and is a real like a real fan of their own team you know you can't have someone who just wants to half-ass it by you need an owner in order for this team especially to take the reins and really be involved in the process. And he seems to be doing both. And later on that clip, I didn't grab the entire thing, but Javier Gutierrez went on to explain. He, he He's pretty upfront. He was like, listen, we're all going through a pandemic right now. And 
things aren't the same because of that. And he kind of used that to explain that, you know, even though we're going through this, Alex Marillo is still making investments into the team, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was happy to hear Javier Gutierrez and Bill Armstrong be so ardently, you know, in favor basically of, of the ownership group. And that's important because, you know, and, and it was important for Bill Armstrong to say that too, because let's be honest, if you're looking for a job elsewhere or with another team and you go into, like you were just saying about how, when you're in an interview process, you're kind of interviewing each other. Well, would you sign on the dotted line with a team or, or an organization or a business that you knew was, wasn't sound in the business world or was in danger of not being in the same place, right? Or in, in danger of, of being elsewhere, you know, in danger of the Kyries moving to a different state, different city, whatever. Like, you wouldn't normally sign on the dotted line to join an organization that was financially not stable, especially for a guy like Bill Armstrong, who he was on the top of the list for a lot of these jobs around the around the league. And, and you know, the, the Florida Panthers went in a different direction. They ended up going with Bill Zito. Um instead of over Bill Armstrong, but if Armstrong wasn't with the Coyotes, he probably would have wound up somewhere else in the very, very near future. And he chose the Coyotes because both of us talked about how, you know, we would have been fans of either Steve Sullivan or Sean Burke getting the job and kind of keeping the, keeping their job in house in a way. And instead they went out and they got Bill Armstrong and gave him the shot as a first time general manager and uh, we'll get back to, to listening to some of the the clips from the press conference here in just a second but before we do that I want to play this clip from TSN up in Canada with uh, Darren Drager the TSN hockey insider um, and he talked with Brian Hayes Jamie McLennan and Jeff O'Neill about the Coyotes process here and how many links I guess that Bill Armstrong went to kind of lay out his plan for the Coyotes. And um, and in, in the same interview, they talk about Darcy Kemper too, but let's play a little bit of that here. When, I, when a guy like that goes into Arizona, does he say to the ownership and, and whoever put him in place, like, is this going to continue to be a clown show or can I have the funds necessary to build a winner? Because I, I, I want this job. They love to be in the group of guys called the NHL GMs. But if you're not going to let me have the assets and what I need, then this is pointless. Right. I think he was very straight and upfront with ownership in, in Arizona when, when he interviewed there. Um, you know, he put together a forensic presentation of what he believes is necessary to get the Arizona Coyotes back on a solid foundation. Um, but unfortunately, uh, and fortunately, if you're ownership, um, both sides agree that they've got to take it down to the wood and effectively start all over again. Uh, how they're going to be able to do that is, is going to be a challenge because there's some pretty hefty contracts there that aren't going to be easy to move. That's just the reality of the situation. Uh, probably priority one or near the top of the, the list of priorities is recouping those two draft picks, that second and the first, that 
Arizona yeah. has to forfeit for, you know, the, the, the wrongdoing around the, the upcoming draft. So he's hoping, of course, that he's going to parlay some of his playing assets into those two draft picks. But again, Bill Armstrong had an extensive plan for the Marulo family when he met. I was told it was upwards of like 90, page, uh, 90 pages, and a lot of it would have been specific to, okay, here's what we need to do to get this organization back on solid hockey footing. And then financially, when we get to that phase of where we've turned the corner, I'm going to need your support. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you ever go into anything with upwards of 90 pages of what you want to do, then you have thought this shit out. He didn't just take this job lightly. And it's going to be, we knew it was going to be intense for any person who came into this position because of the fact that you have so many things going on. You have so many big contracts that need to be moved. You have so many players that aren't, playing proportionately you have the issues that are off the ice and a lot of front office issues that needed to be addressed and a lot of PR issues between you know all of the financial um, problems along with everything after you know the his uh, the I'm not successor uh, the GM that came out before him was, you know, it left in grand style. That was absolutely terrible when it came to uh, the how it looked in the press to the public. Um, so you have to come in and try and help that situation, help with the fact that this team just lost a bunch of picks because of violations that your department essentially made before you got there it's a lot of shit to be dipping your toe in all at once and so you would need definitely need someone who is willing to draft up like 90 pages worth of how they're going to fix this shit because it is a complicated issue with a lot of fucking layers and the fact that he came into it like that i think is probably one of the things that set him apart in this interview process and um, it shows to me that he, he could really give two shits about the fact of how people are perceiving this team because he has a vision for it and he knows that things need to be overhauled and he doesn't care. He's going to do what needs to be done to get this shit back on track and to really change all this culture because he's aware that it's not just the shit on the ice that needs to change. And here are, we. I hinted at this a little bit earlier in the show, but just for due diligence sake, um, per Craig Morgan, of course, of his uh, Arizona Coyotes Insider column, he, he's said that uh, assistant to the GM Jake Goldberg is no longer with the organization. He also reported later on that the director of statistical analysis, Brad Rawson, is no longer with the organization. He also reported that director of North American S- S- Amateur Scouting Phil McCray and Amateur Scout Matt Milberry are no longer with the organization. So this is like a total, total house cleaning from Bill Armstrong in the scouting department. And not all that unexpected, right? I, f- I feel like we we figured this was coming, which leads me to another bite from Bill Armstrong's press conference earlier this week where he was talking about his... his ideas for revamping the scouting department and how you go about 
scouting players in, in the year 2020, how he uses analytics, et cetera, et cetera? Um, well, you, you try and create a little bit of a competitive edge um, with your scouting department where that's what that's what I, I've done. I have a good understanding of that. What does it look like? It, those Your scouts are actually changing. They have to be able to read analytics. They have to use video. Um, and now with the pandemic not being able to go across the border at times, uh, there's different challenges. Uh, the games aren't being played. It's a condensed schedule. Uh, you have to be extremely organized. But, but a scout, a, a good scout moving into the future is somebody that is a hybrid read analytics, watch video, and go to games and do the background research. They, they've got to be committed. It's a hard job. We need to find great hockey people. There's some here. We're going to go out there and find some more. Yeah, he mentioned also multiple times that like you have to hire the right guys to find the right players. So he definitely was thinking that um, a lot of the scouts right now, and, and he wasn't directly saying it, but he was basically saying that part of the problem that Chaika had was the, the guys that he had beneath him weren't finding the right guys and that they were part of the problem. And in order to solve the problem, you must remove them from the situation and bring in guys that you know will find the right ones for you and are top of the line. And, and that is great in its own right in the fact that he is so knowledgeable down the line of who he's got beneath him and who he is using as his lifelines to really help him out because, you know, he's, he's one person. So he counts on these scouts quite a bit. And, and like he had mentioned, the fact that we are in essentially a new era right now with everything with COVID and everything else, um, it's going to be extra challenging. So he has to find these people that are going to go the extra length and are going to be able to understand things in in ways that not the typical scout could is a big deal and i mean i think it's really something that is going to prove him well in the long run and has been part of his success down the line got one more clip to play for you sport nation before we uh, set to wrap up here um one of the more fun quotes from this press conference was where armstrong was it's kind of joking and explaining he's kind of asked about Arizona weather and he was like I like you mentioned earlier Corey you know I'm not here to to get a tan I'm here to win and later on he kind of was essentially saying the same thing where he was talking about you know yeah the weather's nice but I hope I'm not going to enjoy the weather I hope I'm only going to see my car in the rink basically in my office and that's it and and then he went on to talk about how in terms of changing the culture in a way here, he, he was talking about how players shouldn't come here for the weather. They need to come here to win. And uh, here is that quote. And I didn't know until I stepped off the plane. I was like, oh, my God, this is this is incredible. But we're never telling the players that. What we're going to tell the players is it's not a nice place to live. It's a place to come to win a championship. That's why you're coming to Arizona. You're coming to win a championship. You're investing in this team with everything you have. Weather has nothing to do with it. As I told them in the interview process, I will see my house, the car, and my office, and not much of Arizona. Oh, Bill, you're you're giving Arizona too much credit. If if he was coming out in you know the the middle of like winter and into like February, March. 
even April, I would give it to him. But the fact that he is, is September still is fucking hot. Um, so when he came out, it was still fucking hot. Like that, I I think he's being extra nice right now about um, our weather. But um, I I do like his intensity and the fact that he's saying you know that he it's all about winning and really kind of focusing on that. I think he's being a, a little bit much in the fact that he's trying to be a little bit of a hard ass on it. And the fact that again, that this team, the way that they're being looked at right now is not very good. So he is trying to, I think a little bit overcompensate and show how much dedication he's going to have and how much dedication the players he's going to bring in have to what their act, what their actual goal is when they're here, which is to win hockey games and to win a championship. So I, I love the fact that he has such dedication and mentality that he he's not going to be coming here to be in Arizona. He's going to be here to win. I, I think that's great, but I think there is a little bit of a balance there when it comes to to him and to players. Like you don't want to burn them out with you know every with that type of intensity for right off the bat for a long period of time, but you do want players coming in here with the goal to win. So I, I think a little bit of that might've been a little bit of smoke and mirrors, but um, it is really nice to hear that he does have that intensity. And before we, before we wrap up the show, a couple of things. Number one, we have a poll out on our Twitter page at, Corey underscore Richie show where we ask about Darcy Kemper because in that, that TSN audio that we were playing earlier, they went out, went on to talk about the possibility of trading Darcy Kemper to try and recoup some of those draft picks. So I put out the poll. Will Darcy Kemper still be the Yotes starting goaltender next season? And right now most Coyotes fans seem to think no, because as of the poll right now, it's 56% no, 44% yes. And unfortunately, after listening to Bill Armstrong on Tuesday, it sounded like this team is headed straight for a rebuild as opposed to a retool, like we've talked about previously on this show. And then the most important asset they have in trying to rebuild and recoup some of those draft picks and and some better talent for this team is Darcy Kemper. And it seems like he is now likely going to be moved here in the very near future especially as now we are wrapping up the season for good as the Stanley Cup final is getting ready to close out whether that's in game six or game seven we'll find out but right after that the draft is this week and then right after that it's free agency so it's going to be a busy busy time and I wonder you know when are they going to make that move I'm assuming it's if you're going to make trades it's going to be before free agency as opposed to after because you want to go into free agency kind of knowing what kind of holes you need to fill. So I'd imagine the phone calls are coming in hot for Darcy Kemper, and there's a lot of teams out there that need goaltending. And I think I've mentioned it before. I think we mentioned it last week, right? I think your leaders in the clubhouse are a team like the Edmonton Oilers, uh, a team like the Calgary Flames, for example. Hell, maybe even, maybe even the Colorado Avalanche, I don't see why not, why they want it. They have a lot of young players. They have some draft capital. You know, they're right on the verge of, of really becoming Stanley Cup contenders. You put in a, a, an actual Vesna candidate 
on the Colorado Avalanche, boom, you're right back in it as far as cup contentions are concerned. So I'd, I'd imagine maybe even Corey go on a limb and say by the time the Sporting Nation hears from us the next time around, Darcy Kemper is no longer an Arizona Coyote. I, I don't like it. I still don't like it. I still am on the side of the fact. And, and I did really like that in that uh, TSN clip that you played later where there, you're, you're, he's talking about later in that interview where it was discussed about Darcy Kemper. And they had said something that they also didn't believe that they that Kemper should be traded. I mean, if it is the perfect situation, then yes. But it would be very difficult in the fact that as it is, this team has been struggling quite a bit, and they're definitely going to be struggling once they start going through a rebuild. And you still have to stay competitive. And the way to stay competitive right now in the NHL is even if your team is not the greatest, having solid goaltending will keep you in these games. And you have this team has gained fans through this process that weren't fans before, and you don't want to lose them by having a couple garbage years. The way that you end up having a really successful rebuild is having the money for a successful rebuild, and you're not going to have that. You're not going to be able to find a new stadium, do all of that stuff, if you are garbage for the next couple of years because you won't have the fan support that you need. So I just don't like it in the fact that, I mean, if they can find another way without Darcy Kemper to stay competitive during this rebuild, then okay. But unless that's the case, I don't like that idea unless you are getting, oh my gosh, a shit ton for him. And that is something that is going to be life-changing for this team and will be the difference maker in making this team competitive moving forward through this rebuild. Because otherwise, I think it is a poor decision and is something really it will just be going back through the same cycle that this team has been in for the past, you know, 10 years where they have constantly been trying to rebuild these teams, bringing them up and sometimes making the playoffs, sometimes not, and then pulling them back through the cycle again. And everyone's getting really fucking tired of that cycle of really just dropping these teams into multiple years of just absolutely trash and then in the end not getting a Stanley Cup out of it and I, I I'm I fear how long the fan base will be able to handle that cycle of disappointment I have another team that's a possibility I just quickly googled it but Darcy Kemper going to the Carolina Hurricanes which is another interesting proposition because the Hurricanes are a team that that uh, is in that needs a goaltender as well. So maybe put him on the list. And I agree with you. Uh, it would suck. It, it's exactly like the Paul Goldschmidt trade for the Diamondbacks. And I mentioned that a couple episodes ago, but it is. Paul Goldschmidt was the face of the Diamondbacks. I think Darcy Kemper more or less is more or less is the face of the Coyotes this year for sure. He got the most national attention, especially in the playoffs. He hell. Rick Tockett, we have a t-shirt, Darcy, 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 right? Like, he kept the Coyotes in a lot of those games against Nashville and Colorado, and he's your best player, and it would suck to let him go. And I think you are 100% right. If they are going to trade him, 
They need to do it for a massive, massive haul. Not just draft picks, not just uh, a, a third-line center. No, they need to get a massive haul for Darcy Kemper. He's the best goaltender on the market. His contract is very impressive. I think it's only f- just a little over $4 million for the next two seasons, which for a Vezina-caliber goaltender is a freaking steal. So if you're the Coyotes, you're looking at multiple draft picks. You're looking at and some sort of an elite level player, whether you know that is going to be in your NHL everyday lineup and contribute. And you're looking for probably a nice younger piece too that quite hasn't is on the verge, either right on the verge of making the league or is you know maybe in his first or second year, et cetera, et cetera, and is kind of due for that next big contract. But that is your biggest storyline for the Coyotes, obviously, over the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that, Coyotes fans. Like I said, it's likely going to happen. Please don't cry when it happens, but we told you so. If it does, if it does. Quickly, before we go, we uh, Corey and I did our movie of the month this month on Saturday. We decided to do Zoolander. I think we mentioned on our last show. That movie is so good. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> it, is, it is quite a good show. And, and I also learned a lot of little um, Richie and um, our best friend Kat, who's his roommate, uh, they are the king and queen of like side facts right so they have so many random little facts that they know about everything and they just like throw them in there i i've learned so many depths of that movie that i had no idea about before yes in fact including the fact that donald trump is in the movie everybody i had no idea he shows up twice and so we were Cameo all. Cameo cast is massive in that movie. Yeah, it is. They had what do we have? We as Paris Hilton was in it. Donald Trump was in it. Um, Lenny Kravitz was in it. David Bowie was in it. Just, just who's who of everybody. But we got to go, Corey. Any last words before we before we get out of here? Please don't trade Darcy Kemper unless you are getting um, Saturn, Mars, and Jupiter in the process. Until next week, Sporting Nation, enjoy the rest of the Stanley Cup final. Enjoy the NHL draft, which I believe will be happening before we text talk to you again next week. Until then, good night and good hockey, everybody.